Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Alonement Podcast, a podcast that celebrates alone time. It doesn't matter if you're single, in a relationship, or somewhere in between. Alonement means valuing that all-important me time. I'm your host, journalist Francesca Spector. Each week, I ask a new guest about the time they spend by themselves and why it matters. My guest this week is food writer Felicity Cloak. I've always thought that being a solo diner, there's a glamour about it. I suppose because it implies that you've got the confidence to go and do it and you're happy in your own company. Certainly, if I go and eat on my own, which I don't do often in London, but if I'm traveling, I will do it very often. I like to think that people are looking at me thinking, oh, who's she eating on her own international woman of mystery? I mean, I'm sure they're not. And you realize that most people actually aren't taking that much notice of you anyway, you know, thinking you're glamorous or otherwise. But certainly for me, the idea of eating, eating on your own is, is, a, is quite an aspirational one. Felicity Cloak is a food writer and author whose work appears in The Guardian and The New Statesman. She's most well known for her weekly column in The Guardian, where she attempts to create the perfect version of popular dishes. Felicity has published a number of books, most recently her food memoir, One More Croissant for the Road, about a six-week cycling tour she took around France, enjoying delicious French foods along the way. She also has a committed following on Instagram, where she shares her travel adventures, her impressive culinary creations, and her adorable dog, Wilf. Felicity Cloak, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you on. My absolute pleasure. I'm excited about this, actually. You know, I must start by saying you're one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. As someone who lives alone as well, you you just, the world is your oyster. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And there have been fewer oysters than usual in my world uh, recently. But um, yeah, I, I actually really like living on my own, which is surprising to me because it's not, um, it's quite a recent thing for me. But Yes, when people ask, because, you know, as we're talking with, I don't know, into week 14 of lockdown, I think, and people have sort of been checking in on me and saying, oh, you know, you must you must be terribly lonely. And actually, I'm like, no, I'm having quite a good time. I suppose if you're used to living alone, otherwise, then it's nice to have that familiarity. Yeah, I think that um, having considered it, because for a, a while, I always worried that people were, um, you know, that I was being too 
you know, den- denying that it was hard. But actually, I was just like, I'm not <laughs> genuinely. I've done some self-examination and thought, I'm not repressing anything. Um, I am having a good time. But I realised it's because I, in general, I work from home um, and I live on my own. It's actually not that different on a sort of on a day-to-day basis obviously I quite often am out in the evenings or I go to work events and at the weekend I'm very rarely at home so it's it's lovely to actually spend some time you know doing gardening and boring things that I didn't have time for before so um yeah at the moment I'm sure it will get old quite soon but at the moment I am feeling quite happy about it I just think it's been a much less of a change for me than it has for other people who are used to going out into the office every day yeah and I'm happy to hear you've become another uh, lockdown gardener (laughs) yes um I attacked it with great enthusiasm at the beginning when I say attacked I mean I ordered lots of plants online um and they actually only arrived a couple of weeks ago so there's probably a three-month gap between the ordering and the arrival and I realized that I hadn't got enough compost hadn't got enough pots the slugs have now eaten all of my mustard leaves, which I'm really sad about. Um, but it is, it is looking quite good out there for the first time ever. So I think my neighbours are delighted that <laughs> this has happened. So so the first time I came across you was the article that you wrote for the New Statesman about dining alone. And I just... I, I come back to that article kind of periodically every three months just to sort of, I don't know, like rev me up for the concept um, but what you know, what 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 does alone mean to you? Is is it that dining alone experience, or is that something different? It's interesting. I have been thinking about this in recent days, and I do think for me, alone does still feel too close to to lonely. I liked um, the word that one of your previous guests used, solo. I felt like that was a very um, a more useful concept. Because it's sort of there's a there's a freedom there's a freedom implied with uh, the word solo that suggests choice alone. I'm very happy to do things alone, but I would probably always say on my own, or you know, probably not solo in everyday speech. But I like that as a concept um, because it feels like this agency in saying I've done something on my own, as opposed to alone, feels like you haven't chosen it so much. But yeah, it's not um, to me alone isn't synonymous with lonely. Definitely, I think they're very different. They're different concepts. But do you think? I think in the in the New Statesman article, you used the term solo dining mm. rather than dining alone. Actually, and do you think those sort of that sort of terminology matters? Uh, I, yeah, for me it does, just because solo feels so um, much more empowering, and and it's interesting that. Going out to a restaurant on your own seems to be one of the things that people are most worried about. And I think I wrote that because I can't remember for what reason, but people started talking about the idea of particularly women going to eat out on their own. And, you know, there was a rash of articles, uh, more in the States than here, about how to be a good solo diner as if, you know, you needed to make recompense for the fact that it was just you at the table. And I've always thought that being a solo diner there's a glamour about it. I just, if you've got the, I suppose because it implies that you've got the confidence to go and do it and you're happy in your own company. Certainly if I go and eat on my own, which I don't do often in London, but if I'm traveling, I will do it very often. I like to think that people are looking at me thinking, oh, who's she eating on her own international woman of mystery? I mean, I'm sure they're not. And you realize that most people actually aren't taking that much notice of you anyway, you know, thinking you're glamorous or otherwise. But certainly for me, the idea of eating eating on your own is is a, it's quite an aspirational one. 
Well, I mean, that's what I love about your Instagram account. I think it makes it makes dining alone, whether that's out, it makes it look so aspirational. And, you know, I sort of, I was discussing this with a friend actually, who's also a big fan of your account yesterday. And then she was saying, look, I just, everything just looks so fun. Like, I just want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is quite fun. Um, there's no, <laughs> that's nice that people think it looks fun. Oh yeah, I have a lot of fun doing it. So it's, yeah, it's good that that comes to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll send her over. She's she's at home with her one month old at the moment. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I can. I get that she's probably really keen on some alone time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's it's great, and I think you know, I I think that we don't necessarily see enough of people doing things alone on social media, and I, I sort of wonder why that is sometimes. Yeah, there's a weird trope that I notice with people you know, they will always lay a setting for a second person or, you know, they'll have two plates out or two portions. And if you happen to know, certainly at the moment, you know that people aren't having people round to their houses. <laughs> so, and you know that they live alone. I just find that really weird. I mean, it's fine if that's what they want to do for, you know, either stylistic reasons or because it makes them feel better in some way. But for me, it's just, you know, celebrate. You don't have to pretend that you're eating with someone. You're worth eating something nice for on your own it's yeah I find it really weird yeah I always call that um so I've got this idea of only me ism like I think we sort of Mm. always say like oh it's only me so I won't do this you know I I won't cook for myself properly and I really liked um what you said in a times article about how you know when when you went to a restaurant during your travels you said to a French waiter oh it's it's only me and he sort of corrected you yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, I think, uh, yeah, it's, uh, ju- just just one person or something this year. And he just looked at me and went, yeah, but one person, it's you. <laughs> he was actually quite cross about it. And I was like, okay, yes. That's not- and what is nice, particularly in France, is there's no, I never felt any, um, I never felt like I stood out at all eating on my own, which was the only concern I had traveling around France on my own. I thought that I would look a just I don't know a bit sad which is not something that I would I would think in in the UK but I realized that in France because it's seen as so important to feed yourself well I was very rarely the only solo diner in a restaurant and you know men women etc it just wasn't no one bothered you no one you know it was just it felt really comfortable and that that was pleasing because that was the one thing that I was a tiny bit scared about. That's so interesting. Um, so, of course, so this is um, this is your book, um, One More Croissant for the Road. You wrote this about a six-week solo cycle across France. You know, to start with, was that as good as it sounds? Because it sounded brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't entirely on my own. I probably did about uh, just over half on my own, and then various people came and joined me for mm. different um, legs. It was... It was, and I always say, and people say, oh, God, it looked like it was so much fun. It, in general, fun wouldn't be the first word that I'd use to describe it. In parts, it was extremely fun, um, but it was just an amazing experience. It was, um, I think that the the terrible bits were as important and formative as the good bits, not only because if you read a travelogue, you want some bad stuff to happen because that's enjoyable when you're sitting on your sofa reading about, you know, the endless rain or the, you know, the punctures and the strikes and things. That's actually quite pleasurable as a reader, I think. Um, But also just because it showed me there was one day down in the sort of foothills of the Pyrenees and 
I it was a day that I'd intended to uh, take a train to skip some um, you know, skip some some bits because um, I only had a limited time to do it. And the train the trains were on strike. There were no trains, so I had to cycle a bit, which had no particular gastronomic interest for me in um, the frame of the book. Um, and it just rained and rained and then it was baking hot in the afternoon and the landscape, as you would imagine, in the foothills of the Pinnies was just sharply up and then down and then it was sort of flat enough to take all the speed out from the descent and then you get the next hill. And I could just see all of this chain of hills stretching into the distance and no way around it and I ran out of water and, you know, when I arrived, um, you know, at the campsite, it was closed and it was mosquito ridden and there was no food. Um, and, you know, I'd done like, I think, 170K or something that day. And it just felt really hard work. Um, but that day is one of the days that I remember that you just, you know, you had, if I'd been with someone else, I think it would have been harder because it'd been my idea. And so I would have had to have said to them, we can give up if you want, we can just stay somewhere. Um, you know, I would have had to apologise, check if they were right, worried about them, etc. Um, whereas it was just me. And I realised that, you know, I had to push on, I wanted to push on, I could push on. Um, and I don't know, it's just, you know, when you sort of hit rock bottom in your head, um, it's quite an interesting place to be. So um, yeah, I was very, it was a miserable day. But when I was asleep, when going to sleep in my tiny tent with the mosquitoes uh, that evening, I sort of felt really pr- sort of proud of myself. Um, also very thirsty and hungry. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of the more memorable days. So I think that, you know, when things go wrong, when you're on your own, it can teach you as much as, as being okay with things going fine. That's so great. Um, and I, I love that. I love that you use the phrase just me there as well, because I think in that context, just me was liberating for you. Mm, yeah, well, I wasn't accountable to anyone. I didn't have to apologise <laughs> to anyone. It was my own stupid fault and I had to live with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, good. You know what? It reminds me of when you go to the cinema and you drag someone else with you, which I tend to, I think when cinemas reopen, I do not think I'll be going with anyone else very often. But um, mm. I think, you know, when you, you take someone else to see a film that, you know, they don't really want to watch and you sort of, you take them because you think that you want, you know, someone to be there. And, you know, it's it's sort of, and you spend the whole film just looking at them thinking, oh God, are they hate Yes, it? exactly. <laughs> just, yeah, on tenterhooks as their reaction. Um, exactly. And the cinema is another thing. I remember the first time that I went to the cinema on my own and it was because I really wanted to. And again, for some weird reason, I felt self-conscious about it, even though the whole idea of going to a cinema is not to talk to anyone. And it's annoying when people do talk. Um, You know, I felt like even though I really love watching trailers, I felt like I shouldn't get there until the last minute. So no one would know that I was on my own, etc. And now I just have no no shame about it at all I just yeah. yeah if I want to go and see a film I I will when did that change for you when did dining alone and going to the cinema when when did that shift happen that you didn't feel self-conscious about doing it I guess it's a confidence thing and that probably comes with age um of just not just not really caring I mean when you're a teenager obviously you're extremely self-conscious about in general extremely self-conscious about what everyone else is thinking of you um and even though as I said they're probably not thinking about you at all um and I just I felt a great liberation of getting older of 
realizing either they're not thinking or I don't care what they're thinking. Um, and that's actually been a really nice thing, I think, about being in my 30s of just like, <laughs> yeah, think what you like, literally don't care. So I think, it, yeah, I think it's a confidence thing. You know, I'm turning 30 next year and I'm really excited. I hear all these magic things happen <laughs> overnight. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Honestly, it's the best decade. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. So would you obviously, you know, we were saying earlier, everyone sort of wants advice about dining alone. Would you have any any tips as someone who's who's done it? You know, is, is there anything that you do as you enter the restaurant or as you're eating to make it a better experience? Or <laughs> I guess don't say just me um, would be my <laughs> top tip. Um, I think actually an analogy that springs to mind is that um, one of the reasons that I've read that women are particularly vulnerable on bikes is because we don't um when we're cycling in cities we don't own our piece of the road so women are very likely to cycle very near to the curb to you know always give way even if you know actually it's their right of way etc and that's quite dangerous and it's much safer to you know be confident in where you are in the road and I think that probably applies to things like eating alone as well just go in there and don't sort of cringe don't feel like oh I shouldn't have a starter I shouldn't have a drink have exactly what you want to have um and don't feel rushed or you know worry that you're keeping um them from more lucrative um you know because obviously most one person tables unless you sit at a counter um or a bar you are taking up a space for two but only eating for one um and sometimes you know, I think, oh, maybe I should have something else to eat to justify. And I think I'm paying to be here. There's lots of people there that, and you know, not having a glass of wine or whatever, you know, <laughs> they've given me the table, it's fine. So realizing that you have, you know, a right to be there. Um, and the thing that I, the only thing I don't like about solo dining is that I tend to eat much faster because you're not chatting to someone. So even if you're reading a book, I find it is just, it it goes a bit fast, um, which is a shame because I love being in restaurants. Um, and I found it difficult in France because I found in general the wine by the glass, unless you have it before your dinner, is not a, a popular concept in France. And so I get a little carafe, which I was telling myself for ages was half a bottle, but is a two thirds of a bottle. And then it just seemed a shame to waste the wine. I mean, that was definitely more than I would generally drink um, on my own. But then because I ate so quickly, then I was left with sort of half a carafe of wine, and no food to go with it. So that was, you know, not the worst problem to have. But that's the only thing I don't like. So don't feel the need to rush. Take your time. Enjoy things um, and feel free to listen to other people's conversations. That's a that's a great perk of um, being on your own. You don't have to kind of shush your partner because you're actually <laughs> trying to listen to the really juicy gossip at the table next to you. Um, so yeah just relax and enjoy yourself I think yeah I love that it's that sort of owning it going in and saying you know I'm not going to be apologetic yes exactly because I think that's also a very um, I think that that response of sort of apologizing for yourself is a way that obviously we try and curry favor because we're a bit embarrassed so we want to acknowledge that um, that our situation is unusual but I don't think that that's an attractive look, sort of cringing. You know, if you think of a sort of cringing dog or something, it's not, it doesn't make people <laughs> like you. Um, so I think just, yeah, be <laughs> be as you would be in normal life and, you know, try, try and, um, yeah, just be normal, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's always difficult that going in and worrying about, you know, taking up a table because, I mean, I, 
I, I feel like it's almost an infrastructure issue because there are, you know, there is counter-dining now. It's almost, I don't know, do, do you think that maybe restaurants need to cater to solo customers in a better way in terms of the seating? I d- yeah, I do think that it's, um, I remember once, this was a few years ago, I was asked to go to a um, well-known Parisian steak restaurant in London and they've got a secret um sauce that goes with the steak and I was asked to go and eat there and try and work out what was in the sauce and I think it was very last minute so I went on my own and there was a massive queue out the door because you couldn't book tables and they sat me in literally this table right opposite the queue at the door and I it just they (laughs) it was so dismissive um and I was quite cross about it actually but also I had to eyeball all of these people that are waiting for their table looking at me taking up a table for two and I was like yeah I'm definitely having pudding (laughs) 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 I'm in kind of a work hurry but also I'm going to enjoy this um so I do think that there is sometimes still an element that you will be shown to the worst table the table by the loo the table by the door and you shouldn't feel embarrassed if you think it's a really terrible table and there are other tables available that don't appear to be reserved to say no I want that one because you know if they're both two two person tables then why should you not deserve that well I mean I got thrown out of a cafe for this very reason wow what (laughs) yeah Well, okay, so I've been going, there's um, a cafe, thankfully there's there's a couple of cafes on my road, um, but so I, I've been going there for breakfast at kind of nine o'clock on a Saturday for the past couple of years, and I went, I, I went one morning and I was sitting there, I think I was reading a newspaper on my iPad, and um, the owner who knew me came over and, and said, you know, no, no iPads, and I said, okay, that, that's fine, but you know, do you have any like, uh, books or like you know are there any supplements lying about because there were a few so I kind of I went I went to you know to look to pick up like a, a paper newspaper supplement because you know it's nice to read something with your breakfast on a weekend and the more I looked and the more she was sort of just standing there the more I realized that she just didn't want me to be there oh, <laughs> um, how horrible. I, I you know I said look is it okay if I just order breakfast and she said well we like to see families here and people sort of chatting to each other. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so so I had to leave. What um, an unpleasant place. What a I way know. to make someone feel. That's so horrible. I know. And you know what? The thing is, it was, it was basically empty because I think I was, at the time, because I think I was quite conscious of the fact, you know, I, you know, I'd go alone during like peak hours. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go a bit earlier. But even a, you know, why should you be apologetic about hmm. that? start with and be yeah so it's really it's it's really interesting isn't it because whether it's something as you know as as big as actually being you know turned out of your local or whether you know all those sort of micro those you know microaggressions that you get like as a person by yourself like being placed in the worst seat yeah leave quicker or god that's really unpleasant (laughs) (laughs) I'm really surprised by that I just yes well I'm not surprised the cafe was half empty because that doesn't sound very hospitable well whenever I speak to people who you know dine alone everyone's got a story of something you know like that Mm. I spoke to one woman who was put on a um she was put on a platform (laughs) in the restaurant like there was like a platform bit and so with one seat on it so (laughs) People probably thought she was the entertainment. She was going to stop singing or something. <laughs> yeah. Was, oh, gosh. But, yeah. That's awful. It's, okay. 
really I've been very lucky then that I just got the table by that by the door oh I don't know that sounds pretty awful next to the queue (laughs) (laughs) take that over on a platform how humiliating and so we were speaking earlier about doing lockdown alone which we've both done and you uh you were saying that you were kind of surprised by how simple and you know how good it's been so if if that if that hasn't been a lonely situation what is it for you that turns alone which you know alone in its sort of neutral form into loneliness um I think that the times in my life that I have felt most lonely actually have been when I haven't been on my own but if you're in a if you're in a relationship which is in the sort of um you know the the, I think that you talked about this with Alain de Botton um in your first series that actually is very very lonely being in a relationship with someone where it's going wrong and you can be lying in bed next to them, you know, in the morning, feeling the most lonely that you've ever felt just because you're not connecting and, you know, you want so desperately to or whatever. Um, and so I think I feel much less lonely now than at some points in my life where I was physically very close to someone. So I don't think it's ever it's 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 purely a question of, you know, physical presence. I think it's very much like whether you feel um connected to someone or not so um you know you can feel lonely being in a supermarket full of people um even though you're not on your own and I think the same applies to relationships sometimes um it's more it's more of a sort of um a sort of psychological thing yeah that's so interesting so you know on balance would you say that the times in your life where you felt lonely loneliest are those times where you've been you know with someone romantically or yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that's the only time in my life that I can that it has made enough of a mark that I felt like, oh, this is uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is horrible. Um, and you know, when you are on your own, um, certainly for me, I don't. I I realise that I I really like my own company, so I prefer to be in my own company with someone <laughs> who um, who is is you know. Yeah, I'm not connecting with yeah and so has that always been the case you've always really liked your own company um no I wouldn't say so um I mean I didn't live on my own until um five years ago I'd never lived on my own um you know so home um university always you know lived with people um you know moved in with someone straight out of university um then live with friends, then they did with someone else. And now I'm living on my own. And I was worried about that because I was used to always having other people around. Um, and I have found it so much easier than I thought I would. I mean, I do live with a dog and I, it sounds stupid, but I don't know whether that makes a difference. Like people have said, oh, you're very lucky to have someone, some, he's not a one, but something that's just, you know, a, a living being to connect with. And, you know, he's not a great cuddler, but sometimes I can uh, surprise him. Um, <laughs> so I think it is it's maybe nice to, you don't feel entirely alone. And I've got, you know, neighbours here who I can chat to, etc. Um, and I know people nearby. So maybe it's a little bit less isolating than if I was in a new city or I, I didn't have the dog or whatever. But I, I don't think I've ever felt lonely in this in this flat at all. It's just it's like a little haven and so at the beginning of lockdown where everyone was doing you know these 
Zoom drinks and this and that. Just found it really wearing. I was thinking, so not, you know, I'm missing going out and seeing people. But given that's not possible, I'd quite like to do the things that I haven't done because I've been working or going out. Like, you know, what, watch some TV, watch some box sets, read some books. So, yeah, I got a bit annoyed with it in the end. <laughs> Just like you were a hermit. Yes. Yes, it turns out I am a happy hermit. I love what you said about that you know your neighbours as well, because that, that can be quite rare in London. Yeah, I think it's the it's not the first place I've lived in London where I've known them. Um, but there's certainly I've I've lived places in London for years where I've never even got the names of the people next door that you take in the Amazon parcel for. So it is nice, you know, having a sort of it's quite a settled community here and that that is nice knowing that, you know, if there was a problem, they would definitely help me. <laughs> yeah maybe that is how because obviously they know that it's just me and the dog here so they do useful things for me like buying me bins and things <laughs> I think I've got quite lucky there that's really nice um I, I love that I think um I think it's quite hard I mean do you do you think it just came about naturally or did you make a conscious effort to sort of be part of the community around you um no I didn't I didn't make a conscious effort because you know I lived in London long enough to know I think when I first moved into my first flat in London we did go around and like take the neighbors I don't know a bottle of wine or invite them to our house parties I mean hoping they wouldn't come because we were like <laughs> 22 um but um and they were, like one of them was just really rude like why would I want to come to your party <laughs> which was a fair point but not expressed very kindly um and so no I think that you know the they're just um they just uh I don't know I think they're just sort of interested in 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 my life and I'm interested in them so we just chat um and that's very nice actually especially at the moment because for the first few weeks you know they were the only people really that I was speaking to face to face um it was lovely to have them there yeah and do you think there's something about living on your own that makes it easier almost for people to approach and you know because they don't assume that you're sort of only involved in your family and yeah I think probably so it's a little bit I found this when I was um cycling that it was more fun when I had other people with me but I talked to people more when I was on my own because you seem especially and it probably helped being a woman and a woman on a bike and the French are you know interested in bikes and they always wanted to know how far I'd come where I was going if I said that I was writing about food they wanted to discuss that um <laughs> often and so I think that helped but people yeah people don't approach you because if you're in a group you're sort of quite self-contained and you don't it's a little bit more intimidating maybe and yeah I think that people do feel much more free to to approach um people I mean in daily life, people, I've discovered, it's a, having a dog is a little bit like having a baby. People assume that you're a nice person. So if you're a person on their own with a dog, you know, you're just people want to ask you directions. And it's, just like, it's actually quite nice. It's like a signal that you're safe, that you're not a weirdo. So, um, yeah, he probably helps. That's such a good point. Um, it's, yeah, because, I, I mean, I think I, I literally am awful. I, 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 I live near Primrose Hill and I'll sort of go and just talk to people's dogs without even... <laughs> Uh, yeah. Not even thinking, you know. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Completely used to that. <laughs> yeah. I, I know the real star in my relationship. With the dog, so. Yeah. On well, on the other side, is it quite annoying when you you know you get you go out and you know Wilf gets approached? <laughs> <laughs> no, I much prefer it. I'd much prefer him to be recognisable than me. So yeah, it's it's funny though because sometimes people send me a message and say 
Oh, I saw you out with Wilf. And he is, so um, he's a Cairn Terrier. And um, he is, people often say to me, oh, we used to have Cairn Terriers. Um, and then there's that silence of, we just couldn't cope with them. They're great dogs, but they are so independent. They're so stubborn. And so if people say that they've seen me out with Wilf, especially if they've seen me out sort of with Wilf on the lead, I get worried because my general expression is very cross because he just wants to sniff everything. He's very strong for a small dog. We don't make any progress at all. And, you know, I'm patient for the first like 10 lampposts, but then I'm just like, please come on, we need to get to the park. So, and at the moment he's not allowed off the lead in parks in Islington. So that's not ideal. And so I just worry that someone's going to report me to the RSPCA. <laughs> just, <laughs> just in the end, just losing my temper and just hauling him. Um, but uh, otherwise, as long as they don't say you were really pulling that dog. Um, <laughs> I'm very happy that they've seen him. <laughs> that's hilarious. And so alonement is the word that I created to solve that problem of alone being, you know, a lonely word and people just hearing lonely whenever you say alone. What is alonement for you? What is your preferred solo time? Oh, I mean, it's so hard to pick at the moment, isn't it? Um, I mean, I really like, um, I actually don't like cooking with other people. I find that um, obviously I do a lot of cooking in the course of my um work because I write columns for the Guardian with recipes and I find it slightly distracting now having people there um so that's quite annoying but the other thing is um like running I don't get so I also well enjoy running is the wrong the wrong term um but I find it useful sort of in a stress stress busting way and certainly during lockdown I've, I've been doing a lot of running just because it's nice to it's nice to get out of the house and see some stuff that's too far to walk to and I have never got the appeal of park runs and things like that where you have to be in a group of people I just that turns me off what I love is this, the headspace that running on your own gives you and you can just look around and notice all of these things especially running through central lockdown while central London while it's been so quiet for lockdown has been extraordinary so much stuff to see that you never would have noticed with the people um so certainly running I'm very drawn to sports that is I notice quite solitary so running cycling on my own is nice because you say you know you're not beholden to anyone for speed or whatever um but then when I stop it is nice to have a chat to people but certainly I don't see the need to like cycle with people run with people ski with people even walk with people I'm just like no Yeah, so it's quite a lot, really. I like doing a lot of stuff on my own. Well, I, you know, I'm with you on the uh, solitary exercise. I think team sports were the worst thing growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've realised that I'm not. I'm I'm not a team player, and that definitely goes for sports. <laughs> yes, I, I really hear you on that. The the cooking alone thing. So, have you had sous chefs in the past and never really enjoyed having <laughs> having them there? I mean, sous chefs obviously would be uh, too grand a term. But, you know, when I've lived with people and we've cooked together, um, I think it's maybe I'm definitely not a control freak. But because I work um, on my own so much, I am used to just thinking I'm not a good delegator. And so if we're making something together, I just think, oh, well, I'd be quicker for me to do it myself than to explain it. Um, so I'd rather just one person did the cooking and it certainly doesn't have to be me but sort of doing it collaboratively um, can be just a little bit annoying it's just I suppose also when you cook a lot um, because when I go and cook with people that are that do it sort of professionally 
I think that's that's better because they don't they just know to get on with stuff. It's it's just yeah. I don't know. It may, this is making me sound awful, isn't it? Not at all. <laughs> also, very happy just to get a takeaway. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think when you do know how to, you know, when you know how to chop something, or you've got your way of doing it, especially, you know, with with you, you'll sort of you'll know your way around your kitchen. It is, you know, it is your job. Like, it's a big part of your day to day. And you've got an idea of what you want things to look like. And then someone does something that just seems so obviously wrong to you. But you realise that, you know, if you don't do this every day, it's not obvious. Um, so, yeah, I just need to learn a bit of patience and tolerance. <laughs> how how much of your day do you spend cooking? Um, it very much depends. Um, I probably, in normal run of things, um, would spend maybe two days a week cooking fairly solidly it depends so the rest the the column that I do for the Guardian is perfecting uh, in inverted commas recipes and so I'll try out five or six versions of the same recipe and so if that's something incredibly time consuming like um you know really slow cooked stew or sort of ramen or something like that that could take up the entire week and then you add in shopping and etc and then I have to write it up but if it's something really nice and quick then I could maybe have all the recipe testing done in like a day. So yeah, it really depends. But one of the nice things about not going out at the moment is that I've had more time to cook the things that I'd really like to cook. Because obviously when you sort of are, are testing recipes for a living, that's what you eat because otherwise it'd be... So, I mean, I do give food away, um, but it would be a terrible waste to, to throw it away. So especially if it's a savoury dish, that's what I end up eating for days on end. So it's been lovely just to feel the freedom to go, oh, I can look at some of these cookbooks and just cook anything. It's been really exciting. Yeah, you've sort of re like rediscovered the joy of cooking for yourself mm. as well as for your job. Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people that are having cooking fatigue at this point and saying, you know, this is the 200th meal I've cooked um, and I'm just sick of it. And I think it's maybe a bit different if you're having to cook for other people. So you're having to sort of, you know, accommodate different tastes. And, you know, especially if you have small children who aren't good eaters, I can see that's hard work and maybe dispiriting. But I am definitely not feeling sick of cooking at all. I just, um, I am happy. I'm almost a bit worried. I'm looking forward to things reopening, but I'm also like, oh God, but then I'll miss that. <laughs> I won't have any time to cook anymore. I mean, yeah. to cook for myself. Um so yeah, it's a bit of a, I feel quite, quite slightly ambivalent towards it. Yeah. You know, the fact that you, uh, you know, we, we spoke earlier on your six week solo cycle, it was, it was kind of, you know, half and half because I know that someone joined you at the start and then you had friends come towards the end. Solo travel, it was the first time you'd done that, wasn't it? Yes. Um, how did you, you know, did you discover a joy of being alone or were the, were the parts with other people always, always better? It was always more fun having other people to share things with. I can't deny that. But it was strange that, so my friend Matt came with me for the beginning. Uh, we got the ferry to uh, Sherbog. And um, he cycled with me for the first few days and then got a ferry home from Sao Malo. And when he left, I just felt this mixture of terror but also exhilaration like I because I was really like it felt like waving goodbye to someone and it felt like the start of the trip proper and I kind of felt like what what have you signed up to do this is mad but also the when as I sort of pedaled away to find a campsite 
I just realized that there was no one behind me that I had to check had got through the lights. There was no one asking what the plan was. I could do what I wanted, which was lucky because I didn't find anywhere to serve me dinner. Um, so <laughs> it was crisps. Um, but there was, I didn't expect to feel that exhilaration as well as fear. And it made me think of those sort of motivational quotes, you know, do one thing each day that scares you or whatever, which is not in general something I subscribe to at all. I'm very happy in my comfort zone. But that I really did feel just very um, energizing, just that feeling of complete independence and no one knowing exactly where I was. And I think I had a, I was meeting people in a few days time. So I had that to look forward to. But for the next few days, it was entirely me. And I found that really exciting, actually. I think that's a lovely note to end on. Felicity, thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Alonement Podcast. If you liked this episode, please do rate, review or subscribe. It makes a big difference to helping other people find us. Until next time. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.